Hey friends, my name's Stevie Taylor. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. guest today is the uh, legendary Sydney drummer percussionist Steve Marin. Uh, we had a really good chat. He's got a very interesting story. Uh, I really enjoyed it um, and I hope you can too. So sit back and enjoy. Cheers. Man, I think we're on. Let's do it. Steve Marin. How you doing, man? Good, man. Welcome to the show. Oh, lovely to be here. Yeah, yeah. You're the first cab off the rank, so uh, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Eh? Yeah, for um, sure. We'll just rip straight into it, I think. So yeah, yeah. where did it all begin for you? Oh geez, music started pretty young for me. Um, dad, dad's a like a singer-songwriter, I guess you could say. Um, coming from the from the folkloric side of Chilean music, so um, I was born in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents immigrated in the 70s. My mm-hmm. older brother was born in Chile. Yeah. Um, you're you're born. Australia. I was born. Yeah. First one born in in Sydney, in Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, dad had, by the time I came around, dad had his band and was doing gigs around Sydney within the Latin community, playing um, predominantly um, Chilean, Andean um, folkloric music. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kind of exposure to to, to music, mm-hmm. I guess. That was always in the house. Dad was at gigs, there'd be rehearsals. You'd sit around and... Yeah, they, yep. we were always kind of listening, listening to a lot of Chilean music growing up. Um, so yeah, my first exposure to music was that, I guess, you know, elements of Western music would kind of sneak in every so often. Mum would listen to, you know, ABBA and yeah. stuff like that of the time, Bee Gees. And, yeah, yeah. But it, it was predominantly Latin, sorry, even more specific Andean folkloric music that mm-hmm. I was listening to. Yep. So by the age of about four or five, I started picking up, um, some of the some of those instruments, um, pan pipes, sampoñas. So you weren't you weren't drawn to percussion straight away. No, well, I mean there there are percussive elements within that music. Um, right, so the the one main percussion instrument, I guess, um, that features a lot within the whole Andean region is the bombo leguero, mm-hmm. which is the Argentinian term. But every kind of region has their version of a bombo, which is a, a you know a rawhide bass drum mm-hmm. basically. So that was. Percussion-wise, that was the first thing I ever played. Mm-hmm. I got a bombo for Christmas when I was about five. And my brother got a charango for the same Christmas, which is a 12-string armadillo shell, like small guitar. Right, yep. Um, and that's where we started. I think that was our first instruments, a couple of pan pipes and some bamboo flutes. And, that's cool. you know, And checking out Dad's band and listening to music that that Dad would be listening to. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. um, So within that. Yeah, so that was the first exposure to music. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And you, um, it, just reading off your website, you turned you turned pro and when you're fourteen. Yep. Our first paid gig, I think, I was paid about gig, yep. seven. Yeah, yeah, cool. Right. Yep. And but, what, um, what was that? Oh, that was at the Chilean Independence Day that down at Fairfield Showgrounds. Yeah. I think we got about twenty bucks each yep. and a you know a couple of 
food tickets and a can of Coke or something. Have you st- still got that twenty dollars? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like, it's probably somewhere buried deep within this couch. Yeah, right. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I thought it was from the age of about fourteen where I started gigging with bands. Yep. Um, larger ensembles, playing you know clubs. Um, by the age of about fifteen, I did my first contract overseas. We were playing in a hotel lobby in Jakarta oh. with um. With the, the same lineup of that band that was playing Andean music, which had kind of slowly moved out into other genres of Latin music. So mm-hmm. we were, at that time, um, things like the Gypsy Kings was huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were playing a lot of kind of the Gypsy Kings type of yeah, music. Awesome. Um, Latin dance music, just a little bit more folky. I right. Guess. And how long was that run? That was three months yep. when I was in year 10. So I did, I did a term and a half of of year 10 via correspondence and that was you know pre-email correspondence right, right. so it was you literally wait, wait for that yeah, envelope of, to come yeah, yeah bricks of paperwork and, yeah yeah you know try smash it all out in a day and then yeah, yeah go and do gigs you know yeah and, and the gigs was, were every day yeah it was yeah. six nights a week just like yeah. the contracts are now yeah yeah six nights yeah. a week four sets a night yeah yeah um which is pretty eye-opening for a 14 year old Absolutely. you know yeah. but um but that was, and that was playing drums. And I think that was the first kind of big gig I got playing drums. Yep. Apart from that, it was, and it wasn't very long before that I actually got my first drum kit. Right. Which was just by chance, I guess. Yep. Um, a friend of mine who was learning drums in that same folkloric band, um, drum kit lasted at his place for about a month till his mum said, you got to get this thing out of right. here because it's just pissing us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what so was, I asked what mine, was it? Oh, it was, uh, was it like a shitty old red wine export? Yeah, yeah. Um, my brother had bought me a cymbal uh, a couple of years before. He went into Billy Hyde's when they were over on Commonwealth Street. Yeah. Knew jack shit about cymbals, didn't yep. have much money. Yeah. Kind of walked in and said, I want the biggest one you got. Yeah. So he got this big old 22 clunky ride, heavy. <laughs> And that was my first symbol, and I, you know, yeah. I couldn't crash on it. You couldn't. It was, you know, in hindsight, thinking back, it was probably a beautiful ride, but I just yeah. had no concept of symbols. Yeah, and you don't have it now. And I'd hit it. Ne- yeah. I'd hit it. You know, with a mallet. It's like, oh, this thing sounds terrible. That's <laughs> what symbols are meant to sound like. Because yeah, yeah. I'd never played drums. Yeah, right. you know, up until that moment. Um, so my mate's kit got thrown out of his house, yeah. and he asked my brother and me if we'd want it. If, well, first of all, if we could have it, yep. so we had to ask mum and dad. They were cool. Yeah. Uh, my folks' thing was, you know, they get home from work at about six. Mm-hmm. So when I was in, this was when I was in about year nine or year ten. So their thing was, as soon as that garage door opens when they get home from work, the drum stops. Yeah. Right. Until then, you make all the noise you want. Yeah. Which was kind of cool because I, it's something I don't really have anymore. Yeah. But I had that thing of finishing school and running home yep. just to squeeze in an extra yeah, two cool. minutes of playing, you know. Yeah. And I'd get home at 10 past three yeah. and literally just play for about three hours. Yeah, that's awesome. Every that's single day. And, I'd, you know, I yeah, wish I had that, definitely take that it, motivation. Take it for <laughs> day, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, just, just having the time and having that youthful enthusiasm yeah. for... And harder, know, even harder now with kids. Though. Yeah, of course. You, you know, know, you got <laughs> family and jobs and school yeah, yeah. and all this, you know. Barely find half an hour to sit there and do rudiments, you know, which is something yeah. I haven't done in weeks. Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, okay, so what was after that once you got back from Takata? And... Um, I kind of started opening up into playing with um, more. Well, it kind of took two avenues. I was really into the into the broader sense of you know broader terms of Latin music. So once I discovered drums and moving further away from the folkloric stuff and being a teenager, obviously. Mm. Um, I started discovering, you know, like Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian stuff. Yep. Um, and that was predominantly the, the Cuban stuff was a big eye-opener in terms of Latin music. Who um, was your guy? Who was your... The first thing I remember getting was a friend of mine, a Chilean friend of mine who lived in the same suburb. And he gave me a tape. It was a mixtape of a band called Iraquere. And it featured the, this album called The Best of Iraquere, which was a, I think it was a mix of um, a couple of studio tracks and um, a gig that they'd done at Newport Jazz Festival, maybe, um, that I remember seeing on a documentary, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, the director of the band saying this was their first gig out of Cuba um, with the embargoes and all that kind of stuff. So they couldn't get out the first Cuban band to leave to do a concert anywhere mm. after the, you know, after the, all the embargo mess. Um, they played a two hour and 40 minute set. And from what the, the band leader was saying, um, not one mistake in this gig. Yeah, right. And it's such a frantic gig. And it's it just, that that one tape was the, the thing that That's grabbed thing. me with yep. Cuban music. Yep. So there's a couple of little angles. I remember at that age when I, dis- I discovered the drums, and then kind of two parts grew out of that was the Afro Latin, mainly Cuban stuff. And then, you know, early, early nineties grunge. Yeah. You know, and somehow they, they, I think they're the two main elements to what inspired me to play drums and what kind of, I, I think it's what, I think it's, you hear it in how I play. I hear yeah, it in right. how I play. Right. I've got this strange kind of mix of, Guys like Enrique Pla from Cuba and like Chad Smith. Yeah. Type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's just the kind of stuff I grew up on, you know? Yeah. Heaps of Pearl Jam, heaps of Chili Peppers, heaps of Rage Against the Machine, as well as heaps of Los Bamban and yeah, heaps yeah. of Iraquere. And so yeah, that was. A, that's an interesting mix. That was the weird mashup of, yeah, of drumming for me. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And was there any sort of. Those sort of LA session guys that you kind of. Well, I, I discovered like that of stuff. Sort of I discovered that stuff really kind like, of after. Yeah. So, yeah. early, early mid teens started playing drums. Had those two kind of schools, mm. and it wasn't till like maybe getting close to nineteen twenty that I discovered. You know, I heard of things like um, Return of Forever. Yeah. You know, fu- you know yeah. more fusion, and even yeah. even within the pop realm, I. Of mainstream Western music, I only listened to things that I kind of liked or things that I heard from school. Right. Because I just wasn't exposed to, you know, apart from I think everyone in the world was, you know, the the few Western LPs we had as a kid was Thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, so you'd listen to Thriller. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was about 20, 21 that I actually kind of cared who played drums. Who played them here, yeah. 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 That kind of thing. So I, I wasn't overly exposed to popular Western music. Yeah. 
And when I was, it was more when I was in high school and it was only the cool stuff from yeah. then. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, by the time I got to my 20s, I had to come back to, you know, bands like Toto. Yeah. Or, I remember hearing this stuff mm. as a kid and you'd hear things on the radio, and but never put two and two together yeah, realize, yeah. oh, cool, that's that yeah. guy. And that record, oh, that's JR and all that stuff, yeah, that's you know? For me, it was just some of the music that I heard. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's cool. All right, so we'll... Um, what was next? 20s. Well, yeah, well, around 20s. Finished high school, started working with a couple of bands. Um, did, did about two years of working um, with a band that band called Tigramuna that was um, part of the Music of Viva in Schools program. So that was like a, maybe 150, 180 shows a year Jeez. touring around Australia doing... Um, uh, this band was, was a folkloric Andean band that was, you know, fusing, you know, fusing things with funk and jazz. And, and it was a really good outlet for me, that band being... I mean, I could play all the folkloric stuff and that band always had killer drummers. Actually, my first two teachers, and probably the, the teachers that I hold in highest you know, esteem, both played in that band. Right. Um, and both Westies, right. actually. And Robbie, Robbie Siracusa was one, who was my teacher, he was my drum tutor in high school at Bosley Park High. He still lives in Bosley Park or Denver Park, and his daughters go to Bosley High. Right. Um, and he was my drum tutor there. And he was a guy that came in and kind of kicked my ass. And said, yeah. He could see that I could play. And he could, I had the coordination for it. I had a quick ear. So he kind of took it upon himself to, yeah, well, yeah you can play, but it means nothing. Yeah. If you can't read that, those dots, you're not going to do shit. And yeah, he was right. pretty dry about it. Yeah. I think back and, and I thank you, you know. He's actually depping for me on, on a couple of gigs now. Yeah, He's cool. doing a tour that I can't do. And I, I hold the guy in the highest yeah. regard because he's just, he, really was, cool. he was amazing. He saw, he saw something in... Yeah, he saw something in me and realised, no, I've got to, I think I've better push this guy because yeah. you could probably see that I'm a, a bit di- lazy. Diamond, <laughs> diamond in the rough. Yeah, that was, that was kind yeah, of that's... all coordination. Yep. Bit of talent, but no, no inner drive. But yeah. I loved it, you know. Loved so he was like, "No, nah, man, you're gonna read. If yep. you can't read that, then you, you know, you might as well just give up now. It's not gonna happen." Yeah. Yep. So, and that kind of, yeah, got me to that point of wanting to do that, mm. you know. And he was the one that showed me. He's like, you know, this is crotchets. This is don't worry about learning how to read for now. Yeah. Just learn how to read rhythmic Rhythm, figures. Yeah, that's it. Don't worry about learning, you know, melody and scales, and at least for now. Yep. Um, Which you did later. I did it. I. I pushed myself to do it. To, yeah, yeah. Not enough though. Okay. Yep. So uh, while I can, and I think it would be really beneficial to any kind of tunes percussion I play, I'm not very fast at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a lack of practice thing oh it's like anything it's like i mean it's it's another language it is if you're bilingual you know um and you stop speaking that second language for a couple of years 
it slowly starts disappearing until five yeah. years later you realize shit yeah. i don't actually understand any of this yeah. anymore yeah. Yeah. so any of you young kids out there learn to read mm. and keep up the practice Best, on yeah, it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah find a way of doing that Best yeah. thing i ever did was learn to read yeah it's yeah. so helpful it's, oh, it's such yeah. an amazing tool yeah yeah um okay so that's your sort of early 20s yeah 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 that was like out of high school yep um started doing that music aviva gig um and then kind of early 20s was when i started branching out into doing kind of more um afro-cuban popular dance music i guess it could be umbrellaed as so things that are known as styles like salsa timba yep um yeah really getting heavily into that um and a friend of mine who i used to play with in a couple of the salsa bands around had just started this band called veneno son veneno it was back then and uh it was like only a couple of months in and he'd asked me to well my brother had joined the band mm -hmm. Um, again, this was bass, like bass, your brother's bass yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, brother's bass player. Yep. Well, after going through all the all that stuff, folkloric stuff, yep, he yep. ends up on bass and I end up on drums. drums yep. Um, so this band had done like maybe two gigs as Son Veneno, and um, and there was just kind of a covers thing playing, you know, Afro-Cuban music that they really wanted to play. Um, my brother ends up in the band, then I end up in the band a couple of months after. Um. And then, yeah, some Veneno starts kind of taking off mm -hmm. early, about around 2000. 2000, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, just predominantly playing Cuban covers or salsa covers mm -hmm. um, in all the, you know, which, and that was the scene that was still happening back then, which isn't really happening now. Mm -hmm. um, so there were, yeah, there were, you know, at least five or six clubs that were having 12 piece. Latin bands Regular. playing every week. Every week also. Every week, yeah. yeah. So, not much and, of that now. no, not now. <laughs> but I remember doing those gigs, you know, with other bands from when I was about 15 or 16, even from year 10, playing with other salsa bands. And you'd do, you know, you'd Friday, Saturday, Sunday, playing with a 10-piece band at least. Awesome. Even just, you know, playing percussion or bongos or something. And, you know, it was 150 bucks a gig. When you're, Still, it's a when you're 16. It's a party, man. Yeah, when you're 16, you know. You'd rock up to school yeah, on Monday, you'd have a yeah. late night. You know, you're, there used to be a Sunday gig at the Harborside Brasserie, I yep. remember. And we'd, um, we wouldn't get home till about 1.30, 2 yeah. in the morning, and then have to go to school on Monday. But yep. you had like 100 bucks in your pocket. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm just shouting meat pies and Gatorades <laughs> for everyone, you know. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, Veneno starts kind of coming through that scene. Yep. Um, we had, you know, a gig a week, a gig every, two, you know, maybe two gigs a week. Mm -hmm. um, and then it starts kind of branching out into, into or oh, let's write some music. Mm -hmm. There's um, a lot of different music start coming through the band. Um, and so one thing that I've always, you know, Veneno's coming up to 19, 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Um and it's always had a, a great kind of work ethic in every angle it's taken, whether it was, hey, we're just going to play covers for salsa crowds because we've got gigs, mm -hmm. to the, let's write some 
original music you know let's let's get all our ideas out to the yeah. let's go do contract gigs let's, let's you know cool. and the 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 amount of musos that have come through the band um have come through and then left and done other things it's, yep it's always been it's been that band that everyone kind of really steps up to the everyone plate sort of buys myself it, buys into yeah it. myself yep. when even when i joined when it was in its really early stages yep like had only done two gigs it's like yeah this, this is going to be a fun band you know mm-hmm. and everyone that's kind of come through over the years has, has felt that you know you take one little step up when you come in and sit in with this band yeah whether you're there for a year or five years or you know 15 years or it's always been that you know that's very rare yeah it is it It is especially within a within a scene where that stuff is finished yeah like we don't have that kind of latin scene anymore yeah yeah but you're keeping it current yeah, yeah. We're, for we're people that don't know, there's a new album out. And yeah, I'll, the um, album's out. I'll link that in the show notes. Yeah, yep. yeah. Check that out. That's yep. um, you know, that was that was a couple of years in the making. There's yep. so, so, some music on that that we've you know we wrote a long time ago. There's some of it that you know was written when when we were living in London. Yep. Which would have been '06. The whole band relocated. The whole band at the time, which was seven of us, relocated to London, was there for about almost a year and a half, just under a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And from, from that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that, um, those guys at that, that stage? Yeah. Uh, is it the same guys now? Um, there's about three. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Again, everyone kind of, you know, moves on, does their thing. Does their thing, yeah. Le- you know, leaves their stamp on the band. Yeah. And we're, we're all, you know, still keep in touch with each other and yeah, that's it's cool. like like everything yeah, yeah everyone's got it. kids and day yeah. jobs and that's it you know yeah. gigging here or gigging there yeah. but at, yeah at that time it was you know we'd re, you know we'd released a, a first self-titled album uh, we were all around the 22 23 year old kind of bracket yeah and we all pretty much did the same thing we said yeah let's let's just move to London because we cool. can as Aussies we can, and we're yeah. young enough and there's nothing kind of holding us yeah, here that's you know? cool. yeah. so everyone sold their cars and you know did whatever they had <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. Yeah. packed a suitcase got to London find a place to live find some gigs yep um, and you, you it was a bit of a struggle I was going to say you, did, you didn't uh, didn't know what you're going to do when you got there no you just no we had we, we thought it was you know it was a good place being Aussies We'd instantly get visas to stay, so yep. we could at least be based there and yep. at least check stuff out yep. um, within Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we basically booked flights, booked the you know backpackers for a week and a half, two weeks, and yep. said within that two weeks we need to find a place to live. So we found a three better, mm-hmm. four better, three four better. Sorry. Yeah. And there was seven of us. Seven of us, yeah. So <laughs> it was pretty tight. It's nice and cozy. And then we just started hustling, you know. Awesome. We got gigs. Some of us got teaching jobs. But the band was working. Yeah. The band, and we were doing, you know, festival runs. and That's cool. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a really good experience for all of us. We were all pretty, we were pretty young at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, with, I think playing, our playing, being exposed to different scenes, things you don't, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see here. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that's like at least for me the most inspiring thing um, when it comes to 
I think music in general is seeing someone do it live, mm-hmm. watching them do it. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, like um, big Afrobeat orchestras mm-hmm. I'd never seen in Sydney, you know. And then, you know, you go out to London and there's, you know, little pockets of gigs happening everywhere. Yeah. The stuff you don't get to see, you know. Yep. Big heavy hitting gospel guys that were coming out of yeah. London at the time, which was something we hadn't heard of too much. Right. You know, two thousand five. It wasn't you know the gospel chops thing yet. Yeah, I've never. I, I always thought that that stuff sort of came out of America. So who, yeah. who were the who were the sort of the, so big, they the were, big hitting? But they were you know inspired by the Americans. I remember yeah. seeing the London Community Gospel Choir mm-hmm. on within the first week that I got that we all got to London. They were playing a festival, and apparently these guys were Madonna's band mm-hmm. for a bit, mm-hmm. and they sounded. You know, it was it was a gospel sounding church band right. from the states, but they were all, you know, London locals. Yeah. So the scenes like that, which I wouldn't have seen here. No, no, no. You know. yeah. And we're going out to Panorama Festival, which is um, that they line up all the steel pan bands because again, that's another massive scene over there right. that doesn't exist here. Right. Um, and there'd be orchestras of about forty piece steel pan bands um, and maybe 15 bands mm-hmm. and that the festival it was like a competition they that they'd all be set up on these trucks that move and basically the truck moves into position in front of the judges <laughs> and there's all these requirements to enter into the the competition I think your arrangement don't quote me on this but your arrangement needs to be a minimum of 12 minutes long and needs to you know, certain number of key changes or something. It was, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to find the exact details of yeah, that. Yeah. But you'd get men and it'd be five, six hours of steel pan bands, 40-piece orchestras of steel pan, playing these ridiculous arrangements yeah. of, like, heavy, choppy stuff. It's like, no, we can barely find, you know, Errol. Yeah. I think Errol's the only steel pan player I know in yeah. Australia. I'm yeah. sure there's more. Mm. And then you see 40 in each band, mm. you know, so being exposed to that kind of stuff was really, really cool about that trip. Mm. Um, yeah. After that, we just kind of came back. Came home, yep. Yeah, we got... It, it, did you kind of get, got did you get sick of each other and... Not, not all of us. Not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it was, it was hard. Yeah. It, it was, it was, um, at the time, it was a very cool kind of brotherhood we had happening, which awesome. was awesome. Yeah. You know, it was, it really was that all for one, one for all type, you know, we're all moving, we're all going to live in this shitty little house and yeah. we're all going to do mad gigs. So, you know, yeah, cool. it was cool. We got to do gigs in Scotland and France and, That's really cool. and around London and little festivals, Belgium, you know, it was, it, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we all kind of came back and, but the, the band kind of kept on kicking. That's the band's cool. always kicking. And how long were you there? A year and about a year and three, four months. Mm -hmm. It would have been about yeah, sixteen, seventeen months or more. Yep, cool. And you came back and yeah, kept kept gigging. Yeah, the band kept on going up until then. I mean, other gigs that were happening for me um, that weren't just Veneno was it wasn't huge at that time. I was starting to. Again, I was, you know, I was starting to move into like doing some covers gigs yep. and things like that, but it was never, I don't think up until 
like my mid twenties, I'd say, which you know, it's only about 13, 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that I'd you know be comfortable with doing a covers gig because I didn't grow up listening to covers. Wow. What 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 we know as the Sydney covers, you know. Yeah, yeah. It you know. I remember the first couple of instances of people calling, you know, superstition and stuff. And it, these were songs I just didn't know. I knew I'd heard them. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't a thing of I'd played. Yeah. You know, so the, I remember the early covers gigs of people calling, yeah, September. Yeah, real generic. Yeah. Kind of and I just didn't know. It. Man, that's interesting. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's, it's I think a, back to it now, it's yeah, like, it's that's like, weird. So I knew, well, it's not, it's not, I knew cool. heaps of Afro-Cuban stuff. Mm-hmm. I knew heaps of kind of grunge rock stuff yeah yeah but when it came down to uh, i'm a working drummer this is what a lot of working drummers are doing yep this rep and so i didn't know any of it (laughs) that's cool um apart from that is working at that time i just a year before london i just picked up a theater gig my first kind of i've only done a handful of theatery gigs like that but that was the first one i did which was dirty dancing mm-hmm. um it was a production it was the first production they've put together of that show yep. and it started in sydney mm-hmm. so that was a, the worldwide premiere of it um they were looking for a drummer that could you know play a bit of this i don't know if you're familiar with the movie I'm yeah, sure yeah some, absolutely i'm sure some female along the track has made you watch it <laughs> <laughs> oh at the time no, I was it, it was it First was time a, I ever saw it was a... It was a big hit. It was an old school camp. It was a yeah. school camp. It was yeah. a big hit, but it was such a kind of C-grade movie. For like, sure. It's not big budget or anything. No, it became a kind massive. of cult classic. Yeah. You know? um, and it's got this really weird mix of... Um, it's set in the 60s, so you've got like 60s soul type. Yep. Um, with a lot of kind of... 30s ballroom Latin music because yep. some of the dance instructors teach there. Yeah. But filmed in the 80s, so you've got <laughs> 80s pop tunes. Yeah. So it was this weird mashup of, yeah, you know, yeah. three styles. Anyway, they put a band together for that show here and that ran for a year. Yeah. So I think, because I could play the Latin stuff and I could play the kind of poppier stuff and then I had to come into the soul. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't think it was my bag yet. Um, and that was a cool gig. That was my first kind of look into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a fun one. That's cool. And then it was only a couple of months after that finished that we decided we were going to go, maybe about half a year that we went to London. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to London and then the show was opening in London and, um, something had happened with their drama wow. and was just kind of pissed off. So... I did about two weeks of the show there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there was an option to kind of, hey, do you want to jump on? Yeah. I think they were at the Oldridge Theatre for about four years. Mm. So it might, might have been a good visa opportunity, but sure. I did it for a year here. And then I moved overseas with you know an originals band. Yeah. And within two weeks of being there, they offered me the same gig that I was almost that's, trying to run away from. <laughs> So I couldn't really, you know, it would be nice to stay there for the cash. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because, you know, again, you get to a new place and you're trying to set yourself up. And yeah. There was, wasn't much happening to keep yep. work-wise yep. for that, you know, just to generate money. Um, yeah, so that was my first kind of 
you know, dipping the toe into some theatery stuff. Yeah, cool. And that's when, you know, Robbie's learn how to read thing yep. really came in, yeah, yeah for sure. It worked. And and on yeah, I mean you, you do a few of those sort of shows now and you're you're currently doing junior yeah, I kind of came into doing a few more as the years yeah uh, went on. so just back to the reading so obviously you get your you get your your book or your charts at the start of the run of the show does that does that over the course of the show does the music change um depending on the show again i've done I've, i haven't done shows I mean, there, there's so many sides of, I guess, what you could call music theatre. Right. You know, or, or the musicals. The ones I tend to do is more the kind of jukebox musicals, you know, things gotcha. like Bodyguard, yep. Dirty Dead. You know, Bodyguard is a, yep. basically a Whitney Houston, yep. the Whitney Houston songbook put to with one the, of the movie of the Bodyguard. One of the world's most iconic drum fills. Yeah, <laughs> which is one big <laughs> smack. Which was a sample. Rest in peace, Ricky. Right. <laughs> yeah. Was it really? Yeah, well, I mean, I played it, but oh, yeah, you that's, played it, so that's yeah, on yeah, track, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you can't, yeah. There's some of those classic classic moments. You, you can't know, replicate some of those them. big tunes, you know? Yeah. Like, um, even playing Dirty Dancing was that time of my life. Yeah. Which I'm just totally over. Right <laughs> I don't know how many hundreds of times I would have played it. But um, you tend to forget how iconic some of those... You know, even drumming wise, yeah. you know, some of the fills, yeah. or yeah, yeah, there, there's some big songs there. So the, those ones are kind of fun to play, but they they seem to be the kind of gigs that that I've kind of got. And they're, they're not they're not the the you know big production of um of classic stage theatre. Gotcha. You know, not like a Cats type, right? Or Les Mis or yep. you know. The, yeah, uh, but but it's it's kind of it, it's cool for me because that's what I like to play. You know? That's it. Yeah. That's and I like cool. like Bodyguard was a strange one, as far as the band being set up. So we're not on stage. We're not in the pit. We're kind of set up in the basement in mm-hmm. in a studio kind of setup. You know, right. full drum isolation in a booth. Right. Um. As you know, you've got my whole kit was mixed onto a 16 channel sub mixer that I'd get to my ears yep. and then through that mix I'd get another mix of the band yep so it was really it was really well set up yep. it sounded great um again adding kind of Whitney Houston's songbook around the story of of the bodyguard the movie right um it just meant that we got to play all of Whitney's killer hits you know? mm-hmm. there were some big ballads and who, ballads. who was the Whitney um, that um it was Paulini oh right okay. yeah yeah right. who gun singer oh, wow yeah, yeah. Right. and and again because it's it's um it's the the Whitney songbook put to yep put on stage basically around yep. the yep. around the the theme or the film of the bodyguard mm-hmm. um it's a big bloody sing yeah yeah I don't think Whitney would have sung all those songs <laughs> on a gig right? Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah, these guys of, are coming in doing it. A couple of bags of coke. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever gets you going. Whatever you know? gets yeah. But um, yeah, these guys are coming in and doing it six, seven times a week. Yeah, yeah. And for no, I mean Whitney, that's how Whitney would have got. Oh, she would. Yeah. She would have <laughs> bagged yeah. it up. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. She had, she she had a lot of fun. Yeah. Actually, that kind of got me into watching the the Whitney, the doco mm-hmm. thing that came out afterwards. Yeah. 
Ja, det er jo ikke, fordi jeg har en BBC Three. Well, what a phenomenal voice. Yeah, yeah oh, for sure. And some great songs, too. Yeah. And so, just made me think about Idol then with Paul Enney. So you also toured with Damien Leaf, is that right? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I've been doing Damien Leaf's gig for a couple of years now. Yep. Um, yeah, Damien's great to work with. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's one of those guys that puts so much of himself into what he's doing yep. that it, nev- it doesn't fail. Yeah, that's cool. Right? He's such a straight up, hard working guy. Yeah, into everything. He does that of. thing of, you know, like everything he does just works out for him because of the amount of effort he puts into that's it. it. Yeah. Like he, you know, writes a couple of songs and and some of them go like worldwide ad campaigns, huge tunes. Mm. He's like, oh, I'm gonna write a book. Okay, books, you know, great, great read that sells really well. Yeah. I'm gonna go on a. I remember I'm going on a dancing show. We're in the middle of a tour. You know, I forget what we were doing. And we we're still running the bands. Like, like really? Yeah. I mean, it's a hard. If you're not a dancer and you're gonna go into a dancing show. Yeah. And we thought, you know, good luck to you, but yeah. you know, came second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the. But yeah, but it was that thing. It's like. Yeah, I'm going to do a dancing show, and I'm going to nail it, and I'm going to do it properly. And he, everything he does, you know, he's just nailed. He's a, he's a hell of a guy. That's he's really awesome cool. to work with. Um, and yeah, and fortunate thing is, I get to play with you know my brothers in that band. I, mm. it tends to happen a lot that I end up in bands where my brothers playing bass and I'm playing drums. That's really cool. Which um, yeah, is great. It tends to um, it's almost like a package deal for a lot of people. That's cool. And I, I find that, you know, it's a, the age-old classic thing of bass and drums locked in. Mm-hmm. Then that's a lot of the work right. done. That's it. So whether we're doing a Latin gig or a Damien Leaf gig or whatever, you know, I, I, I find myself playing lots of gigs with him and it always sounds good because <laughs> we just lock in. Yeah. That's really cool. We were t- yeah, we were talking early before, before we were rolling about um, the different sort of drum setups and the different shows that you've done yeah summer and pits yeah, yeah. T- so tell us what the what are you doing with jersey boys are you in a, are you in Jer- a pit yeah or? jersey boys now is um the the drum kit is set up on stage um it's set up on a wireless drum riser that they call the turtle we've renamed it ringo um <laughs> and it sits on a track yep. that shoots it out onto stage mm-hmm. so it can when it's when it's back backstage with the curtains down, it's out of sight. Right. Um, but for any scene change that they wish to do within the show, um, it gets thrown out onto the stage yep. and it can be positioned wherever it right. wants. Yep. So the drum kit is always being played live on stage while the band is either half off stage yep. or they're they come on stage for certain scenes of the show. So mm-hmm. there's, there's parts where the band is playing live on stage. Mm-hmm. There's parts where they're playing backstage. But um, it's a good show because I'm used to doing, well, of the handful of shows that I've done, mm-hmm. everything's kind of clicked. Yep. Every tune's played to click and yep. it, it just makes everything neat and yep. fail safe. So. Yep. And this one isn't. Ah, okay. The entire, uh, the, the first song is played to click and then like a couple of little kind of bits on the end. Yep. But, um, 
and it's cool because it, it you know the whole thing's kind of elastic at least you know at least for me coming into a show like that and yeah. it's a well-established show and the, everything's you know everything's perfect that's everyone cool. that works on that show is really hard working yeah that's good and make it you know you make it happen but it, it's a cool cool experience for me you know? yeah I've, I've not done things like that that's so. cool yeah it's a it's all any kind of new thing like that is cool i, I dig doing i could um there there's a lot of hard work in in that stuff especially for me because it's not something i do regularly yep like i was saying with my reading yeah you know it's yeah. not I don't, the more i do the better it stays but yep i don't do it enough yeah so coming to something like this it's you know it's a challenge you hone your chops and yeah you, yep. you you learn the gig you read the gig um and you get it to a point where you're not reading it anymore because cool. you're on stage you know and then it ends and then you don't you don't read for six months yeah right you get another reading gig until the next kind of session again. <laughs> next session or next you know yeah. theatre type gig comes up and <laughs> now what are your thoughts on the sort of the the YouTube generation of players these days yeah. there's this there's this thing now I mean you know we, we come from you know we we practice at home and we went out and we gigged and we yeah. always we gig that's what we do yeah. what is it you know there's this the scene now the youtube mm. playing covers sort of scene thing what yeah do you do you, do you find yourself watching that stuff or i don't know look i i i recorded two drum covers yep. and I, I felt really weird doing it right right um i know you know as, as a working muser it's kind of thing like i can't have a website that doesn't have any content of course, right of course, of course. <laughs> but um i think that's, I, that's I different think, though because you're, yeah, you're promoting yourself i think within something and... like the beast that is youtube yeah it's freaking amazing yeah you know let's just start with that the you know guys like ourselves of our generation you got to take who didn't own the dennis chambers dci yeah. video yeah you know and it that's was, it was the for me it was wickle and yeah, well, yeah that, exactly. that were my videos yeah yeah Oh, and Simon Phillips. Yeah, yeah all yeah, of those yeah. ones. So, you know, YouTube comes out and it's like, I can finally see videos of Cuban guys playing. Right. That I could only imagine how they played because yep. you, there was no VHS yeah. recordings of, yeah, yeah. you know, guys playing over there that we'd get in Sydney. We'd yep. you know, barely get, you know, a tape that was taped, mm -hmm. that was taped. Yep. And get this really shitty quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, tape that had been taped over five times. Yeah. Um, so that's at least for that that, that style of music. That's all we got. So yeah. when something like YouTube comes on, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um. I I think it's cool. I think everyone should just put all their stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, you know, especially in the. To, to, to be able to check out as much stuff as possible is yeah, great. Yeah, Again, when you have, a, you know, such a such an easy entrance into the world, you know, before, can you imagine doing a drum cover, you know, in 1988? Yeah. It would have been really hard. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Record and film onto yeah. film. To have, it, to have it sound any good. Yeah. And now, you know, you just chuck up a phone and you can record That's things right. and... Yeah. I think it gives everyone the opportunity to get out there, which, and it happens in music scenes too, you know, as soon as the scene is big, there's lots of really 
there's a lot more really good stuff that mm-hmm. comes up. But when the scene is really big, there's a lot more really shit stuff yeah, that comes up, you know. So you get more of everything. Yeah. That's so right. uh, along the YouTube guy, I dig it because you find the diamonds in the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a sit there and kind of, you know, just sit there for hours looking through YouTube. But, yeah. you know, I've, within our drumming community, especially within Australia, which is pretty awesome, yep. you know, as far as, you know, uh, Facebook pages of drummers yeah. kind of sharing stuff know, and cool. you know and it's, it's cool there's people there that are really into filming themselves yep. on a daily basis yep. and saying look how awesome I am and yep. yeah good on you yeah good on you yeah. I personally feel a bit awkward yep. doing that kind yep. of stuff um, but it's good to see you know it's yeah, so yeah. awesome to be seeing dudes do shit that and I they can't get the, <laughs> they, get, they get joy out of, yeah well that's it they yeah. get the joy out of it which is yeah cool, yeah and for them it's like yeah it's like I'm sharing whatever I have with the world I'm like yeah cool yeah know? I don't think I have I don't think I have anything like that within myself that you know hey world you have to look at me because yeah, I've that, just uh, figured out this awesomeness yeah, you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really you know couple of promotional things and I like getting my, my band stuff out there of course again it's not me that's music that I've you know co- I'm, I'm not one of those guys that can, would sit there and write my own music yep um, top to bottom you know guitar bass yep drums and sing it yep um, it's always a, a collaboration with me because I, cool. I don't think I have that yeah I think I musically have the headspace. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, I've, you know, I've, you know, grew up playing a bit of guitar. My brother's a bass player, mm-hmm. so it kind of rubbed off on me, and I mm-hmm. used to play a bit of bass. And, um, have a fair understanding of harmony, but to sit and write entire pieces of music, yeah, top to bottom, it's not me. It's 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 hard. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's scary it's too. Hard. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've done it. You know, yeah. I can't. I I just. I can't find the right starting point, but as yeah. soon as I get together with other people and the right other people, yep. it just flows. It's on, yeah. And it's great. That's really good. That's great. It's, it's really... My, my wife has a real ease of of writing, yep. especially um, lyrics. She's you know. a songwriter. She's a public, Yeah, yeah. She's, well, she's she... a, to, to begin with, she's a big reader. Okay. And I think if you're going to be a songwriter, yep. a lyricist, you know, you and know, we, we live in that. You gotta that, know words. Yeah, yeah pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. We live in the day and age where every song that comes out that's popular is about being at the club or. Yep. Or, or love or broken yeah, love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, the people that are writing lyrics are actually <laughs> yeah. reading books. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right. that's right. Especially pop music. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, who do you. Who do you see as sort of up and coming players that are kind of catching your eye? Um, Australia wide, worldwide, I, I, local. Look, I, I wouldn't even say up and coming. I'm saying, but it, yeah, maybe that's not. I, I would, I would say people that I've finally come around to. Yep. Knowing that they're always there. Yep. I don't think it's that up and coming thing. I think it's people that have always been there yep. that I just haven't totally sussed out. Mm-hmm. Um, from dudes, you know, guys worldwide that um, I remember seeing a bit of, um, and they're not like young up and coming cats, but I remember mm. seeing bits of them, and then now to the you know the point of you know being masters of mm-hmm. you know guys like um, 
Julio Barreto had a few uh, people like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know, classify them as up and coming. But yeah. It's, it, in saying that, the guys in Sydney, um, which is I mean my scene, and the thing with being drummers that you don't get to play with other drummers. That's right. And being a father of two, if I'm not at a gig, I'm kind of at home. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. so I've kind of been, feels like I've been a bit out of the loop. But there's always a you know I can pick off. Five guys that every time I watch them play around town, I just love always getting them. Yep. Uh, Carlos Adura, mm-hmm. another fellow Chilean drummer, lefty, mm-hmm. but his pocket is just everything he does from from reggae to like a rootsy kind of. Every time I see him play, he's just he just feels so good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Tully, young Tully, um, Dom Kirk. Mm-hmm. I remember first handful of times I met Dom Kirk he was 14 years old mm-hmm. and he used to get together with a couple of the percussionists who were a bit older and just like oh can we jam and mm-hmm. you know he's a little kid you know he's yeah. a pretty little dude um, now I think he's a house drummer over at the Monday Jam yep. Yep. and he's doing you know he's he's been in Cuba a whole bunch of times to mm-hmm. study the, the real heavy folkloric side right of Afro-Cuban drumming, which is a dedication, you know, that, that, that when, when you go so heavily into something like that, you really have to give it all your time Mm -hmm. and all your, everything you, your brain space to be able to accomplish something like Mm -hmm. that, because, um, it's ceremonial playing. It's, it's a whole other language Mm -hmm. and he's really taken it, you know, upon himself to want to learn that stuff. Mm -hmm. There's not many people that have. Right. So he's he's a heavy little dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's not so little anymore. Yes. Yeah, Twenty yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Other there's you know there's I mean he's he's not a up and comer or anything. Yeah. But it's you know guys like Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You know I just yeah every time I speak to Buddy is he he's always like oh, yeah you know I'll, I'll play a bit of drums. Yeah, yeah. I think I've been yeah. bullshit, man. Yeah, I want to get him. I want to get him on the show. So play we'll, the shit out of fucking drums. Yeah, 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 that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a guy that he's kind of really yeah, you know, not up there rating himself as like the hottest shit. But man, every time he hits anything, it's feels feels good. good. Yeah, yeah, feels so good. You yep, know? yep. Yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of guys around here in town. Like I said, I don't get to get out much. Yep. Um, but. And again, I wouldn't even call them up and comers, but yeah. guys in the scene that hopefully keep on just growing into bigger, better mm-hmm. things. You know, what's the strangest thing, the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a gig? <laughs> There's been a couple. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ranked. Like it's dropped your jaw and you've gone, fuck. Um, I've done gigs where the percussionist. Latin gig where um, in Sydney where the percussionist threw up into a pot plant <laughs> that was on stage. <laughs> Did he have to run off to it? Or no, no, there? no. Well, it was like <laughs> the pot plant was on stage. Yeah. Um, he was set up close to it. Yeah. And kind of just leaned over and you know partied a bit too hard. Yeah. And yeah. just had to get it out. And then back on to work. stage and then just kept on going. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like it, like <laughs> nothing happened. Um. One really weird one, we were doing a gig at the Lansdowne with Veneno, real early days, and um, 
We used to have this vibe where it felt like it was a punk gig, but we were playing Afro-Cuban music. Yeah. All our gigs are really high energy, and you know, we'd, we'd be doing gigs with Darling Harbo, or singer be climbing up the speaker step <laughs> and jumping, and people, this is not, it's not a thing you see in Latin yeah. kind of music. You know? yeah. But that was just how we vibed on it. You know? um, we did a gig at the Lansdowne, and <laughs> our percussionist, was, who was playing cowbell at the time, and we're like, this is just real heavy part of the song. And he gets so vibed up and he throws cowbell on the beater on the floor and it bounces off the floor <laughs> and knocks a beer out of the guy's hand that's standing like <laughs> probably about four meters. So he copped a cowbell that smashed a schooner out of his hand. I, I think if you sat there and tried to do it a million times, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> if you threw a cowbell onto He'd the floor of the stage, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything else could happen. Um, but that was the kind of, you know, that was the kind of band where, like, I had to let people know when we were playing a backline. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a backline. You, you can stand on this drum kit if you want. Yeah, yeah. Just don't do that shit to mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a bit of a, a rocking band. Uh, the strangest thing. Let, let me think about that. There's been a couple of classic moments. I mean, the whole... Um, Oh, no, there was one that was kind of funny. It, it, it really kind of bent my mind a bit. I was playing a gig at Rock Lily, and the chain snapped on the bass drum mm-hmm. beater, on the pe- pedal, sorry. Um, and I just couldn't think of what to do. So detuned the floor time, yep. pulled the bass drum mic out. And, yep. But playing four on the floor stuff, yep. that... That was strange. It was strange as a drummer to think, you know, have to flip it within 20 seconds. Yeah. All right, I've got no kick. We've got two and a half sets to go. Mm-hmm. The nightclub's full. Yeah. What do we do? Mm-hmm. We just chuck a towel on the floor zone, detune the whole thing, yep. put the kick drum mic on it, and that's the kick drum now. Well done. That was kind of strange. Strange as far as playing. I don't think I've ever concentrated that hard in my life <laughs> on a gig normally. You know, covers gig, rock up. Yeah, we're going to play the same shit. Yeah, yeah. Play Everyone plays the same tunes. Didn't expect it. Yeah, didn't expect to have to play like a left-hand bass drum type thing. That was pretty um, pretty strange. Uh, the one other one is, a, is post-gig strangeness. We were... We used to do loads of gigs over in Macau. Um in the casinos with Veneno as um as a halfway slash um, playing Latin music and playing top 40s covers. Yep. Um, and because the casinos there gener- generate so much money, the um, security is under the... I mean, they're told you, you don't manhandle anyone because you have no idea what they're worth mm. to the casino. Mm. So we're not, we're not grabbing people and muscling... Like... Some of the things that people were doing over there wouldn't happen at the star. Right. Yeah, you because know, you get kicked out at the star for yeah. looking at someone wrong, you know? Yeah. yeah. So over there, security doesn't touch anyone. Mm. And there was this guy who was just like totally pissing it up all night. And um, they were asking him to leave. This was three in the morning, band stuck around at the club, just having a couple of drinks. Asking him to leave, getting the shits with him. He runs up on stage with a Corona, 
in his hand and pours it all over the keyboard rig. Two keyboards <laughs> and, and a submixer. Um, so, you know, they got him off stage, gave him an open bar tab. Yeah, that was strange. That's strange. That <laughs> was fucking strange. Like, how do you get the really drunk yeah. guy off stage? Give him Give an unlimited bar tab. <laughs> and he passed out and they put him in a wheelchair yeah. and took him up to his room. Right. Strange as far as being a, a Sydney muso. Can you imagine being at the casino oh, yep. and being so wasted yep. that the only thing they could do is give you more drinks and then put you in a wheelchair and safely get you to your room? No. no. You walk into the casino here and you get punched out the front door That's for right. wearing the wrong fucking shoes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that shit was pretty strange. Yeah. That's cool. I'm trying to think of other strange ones. No, that's that's that, that that's tops a, the strangeness. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right, man. So just on in closing, um, so you're doing Jersey Boys. You've yeah, got, you've got your band. Um, what does the next twelve months hold? I, the same as kind of the last twelve months yep. and the twelve months before. I don't. Awesome. There's no kind of. Um, map for yep I, at least in my case being a self-employed muso mm -hmm. when, when the work when the work comes up you kind of just got to be there yep. be be the guy that people want to call yep. i guess so um, old i've been pretty don't fortunate be, don't be a dick pretty much like, man i think be on time yeah the, the learn your to, shit don't be a dick Basically, you know, and, and it's really, it's really almost feels stupid saying those things, but it is it's kind true. of that basic. I think, um, I think just being a working muso, if you know, if you can pull a twenty-something year career out of it, I've never done any other job. Yeah, yeah. from the moment from before I left school, but from the moment I actually left school up until you know now, it's been playing drums. So, in my mind, I just had to be the guy that people wanted to call. So, I did shit like, learn how to sing BB. Because mm -hmm. you know, everyone will call the guy that Absolutely. that sings as well as plays. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a really basic thing. So, that's my next 12 months is hopefully going to be like the last 20 years. Awesome. You know, people call... Hopefully they, they call me before they call other yeah, people, yeah. 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 That's all I can all I can kind of hope for. Um, as far as if I know what's happening, I got no idea. Yeah, that's good. It, it's gigs. That's it's gigs. It's too, teaching. Yeah. I mean, this time, this time last year I didn't know I'd be on Jersey Boys. Yep. This time three years ago I didn't know I'd be doing the Bodyguard. Yep. You know. 15 years ago, I didn't know that I'd be living in London. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things like that, you know. Yep. So, it's, I, I think, at least for me, just keep on pushing, pushing myself to be, hey, I've said that for a long time. Just push myself to be the peop, the person that other people want, want to call. Want to call. Yeah, cool. So, they want to call you because every time you've done whatever it is they've asked of you, you've done it well. Perfect. Well enough for them to call back. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's what starts up a career. Yeah. And you see the, I, I learned that from, from the guys that have just lasted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
guys that have been doing this for 40 something years and they're still gigging and they're still relevant mm-hmm. within the scene because the, I think they kept that attitude. You know, I'm just going to be so awesome. Hopefully you call me next time. You know? That's cool. That's, I think that's all you can do. You know? Well, on that, I look forward to following for the next 20 years. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully the next 20 pan out like the last 20. Yeah. They've, they've been good years. Good so. Steve Marin, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. Cheers.